Happy fucking St. Patrick's Day. Because that's why we're doing this episode. We haven't done a St. Patrick's Day episode, have we? No, this is our first one. And we are fans of the green. <laughs> you know that's right. Can't help that. So, you know, leprechaun this week. Everything's green. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. This is Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned and talk about some horror movies. We'll start with the getting stoned part and get to our green hits. I know what it is, but what did you bring me today? Awesome. So I brought over the strain headband. It is known as a cross of OG Kush and Sour Diesel. I think sometimes it is referred to as Sour Kush. So if you're out on the street and you see Sour Kush, it's the same thing as headband. So anywho... The thing that I like about this, it's a hybrid. It tends to lean a little bit more on the sativa side, at least this particular strain does. The noted terpenes that are in this are limonene and pinene, so you'll get a little bit of the um, energetic, kind of lemony, earthy kind of tones. And then there's beta-myrcene and beta-karyophylline, which give it more of a sedative property, hence the headband sensation. They say that usually comes on right after smoking it. You'll get like a slight pressure on your forehead. But anyhow... It is a relaxing and uplifting strain. The numbers range somewhere between 20 to upwards to the upper 20s. I think this one clocks in like around 27, almost 28% at the shop. And this shop that I went to, which is one I know you frequent a lot, which is Flower. And uh, yeah, I like the little deal they have going on here. I was about to say the flower I brought in today was <laughs> also from Flower. Hell yeah. Some GG number four, also known as Original Glue. It is a cross of chocolate diesel and sour dub. Nice. I believe it won a Cannabis World Cup back in like 2014, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I think it must depend on where you're at, how common it is. I feel like you can get original glue quite a few places in town. That's a good point, yeah. I've seen some reviews of original glue where people were like, yeah, like... My neighborhood boutique weed dealer happened to have it on like their high end shelf. And I was like, bitch, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. But I mean, as far as it's a real strong hybrid, it's going to be right down the middle. The glue is because it can still lock you a little bit, but it's a hybrid. So it ain't going to necessarily make you doze off. You're going to get relaxed, but okay your head's that. still going to soar. I'm all good with that. So let's start to hit this, but we're not going to go straight into our guts and bolts this time. Now, we might not have a formal news section anymore, but you just got over here a few minutes ago. I just saw some news right before you showed up. And as horror fans and fans of this guy and his work and the story that's being adapted, I thought I should tell you about this. So while we start to get high, some news broke today that I thought you would like to know that Kurt Sutter used to write for The Shield and was showrunner and creator of Sons of Anarchy, is going to be working with Blumhouse to do a movie for Netflix called This Beast, which is going to be based off of The Beast of Gavodon. That's pretty cool. So I'm fucking stoked about that. I don't know about you, but like we've not had very many opportunities to bring up The Beast of Gavodon story, but we've brought it up before on the podcast. And there's an action horror based around it that we will be getting to within the next hundred movies because it's kind of a damn shame we haven't gotten to it yet already. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious. To, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does with it, though. Like, I'm a yeah. giant fucking fan of Sons of Anarchy, so. Well, you never know, man. And we know at least the model with Blumhouse. It's not going to have a huge budget, but expect big returns because they usually knock it out at the ballpark at the and, theater. You know. 
And this Typically. is going to be interesting because I don't I don't know if it's going to get a theatrical uh, release. Oh yeah, except for Netflix, right? Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, that might be interesting given, but at least it gives it a platform with mm-hmm. a lot of eyes on it, so you never know. Yeah, I'm not sure what that's going to be, but I'm well. excited to see it. And I don't think Sutter's worked in movies for a while, if ever. I think maybe he has some a little bit involvement with movies here and there, but I think he's mostly been a television side type That's of guy. Cool. So I'm also curious to see if his wife ends up with a role in it because Katie Seagal is amazing. That's awesome, dude. Hell yeah. For all the people that didn't realize that Kurt Sutter is married to Katie Seagal, who is a huh. fucking treasure. Yeah, no kidding, right? Jesus, man. <laughs> well... You know, the best of luck. I'm excited to hear about that and looking forward to see what the final product turns out to be. I know, yeah. I'm going to keep tabs on that. Like I said, not trying to, to re- necessarily put no, a new section no, back into the show, but really cool. I saw that like 10 minutes before we started. Well, no, I well, think it's like relevant because... before you showed up. and Yeah, it's upcoming as opposed to it already occurred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I guess we can get to the guts and bolts of Leprechaun. Guts and Bolts. All right, Guts and Bolts, Leprechaun. Who and what went into the making of this? And now my spoiler-free setup. A Leprechaun has 100 pieces of gold stolen from him, and he's out to track them down after being imprisoned for 10 years. That's as simple as it gets with this film, without spoiling anything. Did I mention he's a bad leprechaun? <laughs> that yeah. he's not just nicely asking for things? That's why we're talking about it on this podcast. I like it, dude. <laughs> nice. So week to week, we like to talk about the people who go into making the film and the actors and actresses starring in front of the cameras. And this week, we have director and writer Mark Jones. And this gentleman, as far as directing credits, he's known for the films Rumpelstiltskin. He helped with the Nightman television series from 97 through 98. And he's also responsible for directing the films Triloquist and Scorned. All right. Now, I did mention he's a writer. He's actually got some really cool writing credits to his name. So I'm going to pull up a few of those. Because I had already mentioned Rumpelstiltskin, Triloquist, and Scorn. I read and heard, too, from an interview that Triloquist is a, I think, Dimension Extreme release. And they usually right. put out some pretty gory films. So I was kind of curious when he said that. But well, it's, a, it's a killer ventriloquist doll. Yeah, hence the name. <laughs> but um, some of his writing credits is what I was wanting to get at. Because it's super interesting when you look at his start. He worked in cartoon and animation specifically because you start looking at stuff he did in the 70s, stuff with Scooby-Doo. Oh, shit, what's new, Mr. Magoo? Dude, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's kind of crazy. Heathcliff, he helped with the stories for that. That's a show I used to watch a lot. Yeah. Then he went on to do some pretty big television like action series with Mr. T that's starting off with uh, the A-Team. He also worked on the television show Hunter. He worked on Knight Rider. Show Alf, Werewolf, The Highwayman, Superboy, which put a little note by that because he met an actor on the set of that show because they were filming, I think he said somewhere in Florida, maybe around the Orlando area for that show. Holy uh, shit, Nightman? Yeah, dude. I'm saying it's crazy. <laughs> Nightman. And more recently, 2016's Nature for the Discovery Channel, which is really neat. All right, moving on, we have cinematographer Levi Isaacs. Is actually a gentleman we've talked about before. Because we talked about him back on episode 166 when we reviewed 
the dentist, which is really neat. So it's kind of cool bringing some of these people back. You know, ones of what we talked about before. All right. And part of the reason we brought him up before, not to get too extensive in his filmography, but if you go back a little bit, starts with like Saturday the 14th Strikes Back, which is kind of interesting. He helped with The Giver, which is a film we talked about several times last week because of some of the credits. Children of the Corn Part 2, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, which is really neat. 16 episodes of Tales from the Crypt from 91 through 95. He also helped with such things as The Dawson's for 22 episodes. Really neat. Malcolm in the Middle for 36 episodes. Really cool. I think he did 65 episodes overall. CSI New York. And more recently, uh, The Little Rascals Save the Day video. So some pretty cool shit there. Yeah, yeah. All right, we have editor. Recently, they're still doing Little Rascals anything? Yeah, I know, man. What? Go figure. (laughs) All right, editor, another gentleman we've talked about before, actually multiple times, but uh, editor Christopher Roth, we talked about on episode 29, Killer Crowns from Outer Space. And he also helped with episode 166 when we talked about The Dentist. All right, music was composed by Kevin Kiner and Robert J. Walsh, two gentlemen I do need to talk about. So I'll start with uh, Kevin Kiner. Really cool credits to his name, just as well. A lot of television stuff. You go back in 91, 92 specifically, he helped with the music for Land of the Lost television series. Mm. He was nominated for a Daytime Emmy Award for The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest from 96 through 97. He won a BMI TV Music Award for his work on Walker, Texas Ranger from 97 through 2001. He did some stuff with Stargate SG-1 from 97 through uh, 2003. Star Trek Enterprise, CSI Miami, Jeez, Star Wars Rebels, yeah, Jane the Virgin, Clone Wars. I was about uh, to say, Narcos, Rebels Mexico. and Clone Wars means that, like, lots of people have heard his shit. Yeah, even more recently, Doom Patrol. I fucking love Doom Patrol. That's so I'm sure you've heard his work there. And this is just television. So some of the stuff from film, once again, a film, I'm so glad it keeps getting popped up now on this show. <laughs> Because it's like, man, this is so awesome. But he helped compose the music for the film Freaked. (laughs) He's also responsible for Tremors 3 Back to Perfection, Star Wars The Clone Wars, Ghost in the Shell from 2017, and Star Trek Deep Space Nine, What We Left Behind from 2018. Even a couple of things from uh, video games, GoldenEye 007 2010 and 007 Legends as well. So that's pretty cool. And the other gentleman is Robert J. Walsh. Uh, Some pretty big stuff when you look at animation more specifically like Looney Tunes back in the 80s. He did uh, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, Transformers, Gem, and My Little Pony and Friends. Uh, he worked with Jim Henson Company and Marvel Productions with the cartoon series Muppet Babies, which is pretty awesome. Muppet Babies. Yeah, man. It actually earned him the 1986 Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Achievement in Music Direction and Composition says he also collaborated with such gentlemen as Stan Lee, Lee Gunther, Bert I. Gordon, Glenn A. Larson, and uh, worked with fellow conductor Johnny Douglas and a lot of stuff. Let's see, just some of his films of note. One that kind of blew my mind because I watched this shit a lot as a kid was Daffy Duck's Fantastic Island. I was <laughs> like, this is crazy. He actually had with Buck Bunny's third movie, 1001 Rabbit Tales. A little bit later on, he actually worked with Uli Lumel a lot, starting with like... I don't know, Zombie Nation, Fever Lake, Zodiac Killer, BTK Killer, Green River Killer, The Raven, DC Sniper, House on the Hill. And his final film credit was Queen of Rio back in 2018. So like this is some pretty cool films of note there. All right. The special effects was done by Players Special Effects. This was produced by Jeffrey B. Malian. 
production company was Trimark Pictures. They were also the distributor for the 1993 United States theatrical release. It had a premiere date, January 8th, 1993, here in the States. Had an estimated budget somewhere between $900,000 to $1 million. And it grossed, this is at the box office, $8.6 million. I heard that it also brought in a little over $15 million for video rentals. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember how much. Well, that's how the franchise really kept alive. Like yeah. $8 million on one is fine, but it's also it's not still like, really small. Yeah, and it was released to in January because they didn't want to go up against some blockbuster films from the year previously. Mm. You know, so... And there was another little tangent, too, that the director talked about. He said that because it was rated R, but because it was such a hit with kids, that a lot of kids were, like, going in watching, like, around that holiday season, more like Christmas films, but then actually going into the theater to watch Leprechaun instead. Leprechaun. So it's, they said it's predicted they probably lost, like, $250,000 in ticket sales because of that. I'm curious what pushed it to R, because there is only one F-bomb in this. Yeah, I would think it's just at the time, maybe some of the, the gore and stuff, maybe a little bit of the violence. That's I about it. I guessed PG-13. Guess what? Granted, if this was rated PG-13... Wouldn't surprise me, but it would have killed. Yeah. Time period, want, I'm get at least 40. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was going to say it probably would have at least doubled, but wow. I think yeah. it, it could have done 40. You're if it did right. eight out of six million with like being as toned down as it is. That's a good point, yeah. Because it would have been a disappointment for anyone going expecting to see an R-rated movie. (laughs) Yeah, good point. Here's something that's cool. I do have a tagline. (laughs) All right. And it's, your luck just ran out. Yeah. So so there's that. I mean, it makes sense, given. All right, now talking about the cast, uh, we've got some interesting names. We actually have an actress who at the time, a little bit unknown, relatively, she had some relative works, Nothing major at the time. But I'm going to start off with our lead titular character. And it's played by Warwick Davis, who plays the Leprechaun. For whatever reasons, maybe it's because later on in the series they explain this. But they have him listed as Lubda, the Leprechaun, in the Wikipedia. I'm not quite sure why. So we are in the technical notes section of all this, right? Yeah. He was given a real name in the comics. Okay. That only went four issues before I think the company went under. Okay. I'm not okay. positive about that, but basically like it was supposed to go on and then they just stopped. Like that story's never been finished as far as I know. I'm sure there's probably fan works out there, but yeah. Lubden is apparently his name. And I do huh. when I was looking up some other information on this movie, like a lot of people do refer to him as Lubden, so There you go. Okay, so Gives a little bit of a more of a backstory as to why his name is that, which is cool. Oh, also, I'm looking up its premiere weekend real quick after we were just talking about its numbers. I feel bad for what it was going up against. Of the movies that were new that weekend, it still debuted at number eight. And it was the only like new movie that weekend to be in the top ten. That's pretty cool. Every other movie had been going for a few weeks, but every other movie was like... A Few Good Men, Oh damn! Aladdin, Scent of a Woman, Jesus. The Bodyguard, Forever Young, Chaplin, damn. Home Alone 2. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So it's like all these holiday kind of feel good, a little bit sappy films. And then you got a horror film in the mix. <laughs> but still not bad to be in the top 10. Here's an interesting note. There's an actor in that group 
who I'll talk about here in just a second, that made it twice in the top 10 mm. for that opening weekend. So I'll bring him up here. But speaking of Warwick Davis, just a few things of note. Some people might know him specifically because he was in Willow, playing Willow Ufgood, which is really awesome. That's where I recognize him starting off as. Mm-hmm. But even prior to that, he starred in some of the uh, Star Wars films. He was as, wicked. Yeah, this is really cool. He also did Ewoks, The Battle for Endor. He was in Labyrinth as a Goblin Corps member. Also awesome. Like I said, once again, went on to do some more work in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Says he was Yoda in some walk-in shots, Weasel and Wald, which is really cool. I think some other people are probably going to know him because of Harry Potter. I mean, he was in, what, The Philosopher's Stone, Chamber oh, of yeah, Secrets. he was uh, Flitwick. Yeah, so a lot of those films. Almost like, Jesus, almost all of them is what it looks like. Let's see here. Just more recently, he was in Solo, which is really cool, and uh, The Rise of Skywalker, also really cool. A lot of television work as well. Just more recently, Star Wars Rebels as Rook for six episodes. So, yeah, some pretty cool stuff there, too. Now, I did mention a little-known actress, a little bit more prominent now, but it's interesting to know that this was her film debut before she really made it big, and I am talking about Jennifer Aniston, and she does play the role of Tori Redding in Leprechaun. And as of I need to really introduce people to who she is, but she went on to star as Rachel Green on the sitcom Friends from 94 through 2004. And just a few films of note. She was in Bruce Almighty, The Breakup, which actually I really enjoyed that film. That's a really good one with Vince Vaughn. She was in Marley and Me, Just Go With It, Horrible Bosses, and We Are the Millers. I remember when she was in Office Space, too. Still one of my favorite films mm-hmm. of hers. She was also in The Good Girl, so a really kind of indie film with Jake Gyllenhaal. Really good one. The film Cake from 2014, which is another really good one, and Dumpling. And apparently, uh, more recently, she won a Screen Actors Guild Award for her role in The Morning Show, which is on a, uh, Apple TV, which is really neat, too. So, oh, dope. Yeah, like I said, just a really well-known actress now. Maybe not so much back then. One thing I did want to mention that she was in the TV series Malloy and Ferris Bueller. In Malloy, she actually starred with Maya Bialik, which is kind of mm. interesting. Yeah, but that show apparently never made it to air. It had like seven mm. episodes, just never made it to air. And uh, she played Jeannie Bueller, the sister of Ferris Bueller in oh, the TV shit. sitcom. Yeah, which is like, that's kind of neat because I think I remember watching that, but I would not have recognized her, of course, back then. Also, after making Friends money, her opinion of this movie flipped. Yeah, I heard. I heard. I just, I mean, granted, I understand. Apparently, early in her career, she was really proud of this movie. Yeah, I mean. Now, not so much. It's like, ah, uh, never forget your roots, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here's a really cool name, and that is Ken Oland, and he plays the role of Nathan Murphy. And this particular gentleman, I actually watched a film recently, and a film I've actually mentioned several times now. But the film I watched more recently that he was in, it's a film that my sister and I like to watch every so often, but he was in the 1986 film, April Fool's Day, where he played the role of Rob, which is, man, I really like that film. And the other film I've mentioned several times, I mentioned it last week, was the 1987 film, Summer School, where he plays the stripper, Larry Casamias, which is really neat. It's a Carl Reiner film, if you can believe that. And he was also in such things as like 21 Jump Street. He was in Super Force, which I believe the director of this film, the reason why he wanted him is because of that television series. But some other things of note, he went on to do some stuff in Star Trek. Actually, The Next Generation, 
he was in Silk Stockings, Pacific Blue, you know, stuff like that. So it's just a lot of television series, a little spot stuff here and there. All right. Another name well known at the time, I would imagine, is Mark Holton. And he plays the role of Ozzy Jones. And the reason I say he was well known is because of some of the works he did in the 80s. More specifically, he was Francis Buxton in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I probably know him best as Chubby in uh, Teen Wolf. Yeah. I fucking love Teen Wolf. He was in both of them. Yeah, Teen Wolf 2 as well. And uh, here's something cool is because this is a franchise, he did reprise his role in Leprechaun Returns in 2018 as well, which is really neat. Like, did you read into some of the fallout with that? Mm -hmm. Like, so Ozzy returned, but the 2018 one is the one where it's not Warwick Davis. And so when Ozzy returned and Warwick didn't, like, little... some fans got shitty and they're like, what, you didn't ask fucking Warwick Davis back? Like, he's been the leprechaun. And then Warwick actually had to come out and be like, nah, like, guys, they asked me, but I have kids now and they're young enough that I don't want to be starring in horror movies. Yeah. Maybe later on when they're grown, I'll go back to doing horror, but... Not right now. Not right now. Well, good. That's good that he cleared the air. Now, I did mention, because of the work on Superboy of our director... He ran into an actor on that set, and this happens to be that actor, Mark Colton, mm. because he did do one episode of Superboy back in 1990 as Johnny Casanova, right? So that, that was kind of neat. And uh, some people might know him, too, because he was in A League of Their Own, where he played the older Stillwell. That's right. He was also in Little Giants as Mr. Zoltek, which is really neat as well. So some stuff of note there. I actually I mentioned this to you off air last week that he played John Wayne Gacy in the 2003 mm-hmm. film Gacy. So another thing of note there. Let's see. More recently, I've already mentioned Leprechaun Returns, but for people who are fans of Tim and Eric, awesome show, he played the role of BM Farts <laughs> on Great Job in the 10-year anniversary version, which is actually really cool too. So a few things of note there. All right, here's a child actor He didn't do too much after, I think he was like 15 or so, kind of took a break from acting. But this gentleman is Robert Gorman. He plays the role of Alex Murphy. Here's a little note trivia there. Alex Murphy, does that ring a bell? Oh, fucking Robocop. No mistake. What? What? How did I not notice that? There you go. So yeah, a little side nugget there. All right, this kid. I remember him because 93 was a huge year for him. Yeah, dude. I went and saw two of the three films that he came out with that year in theaters awesome. as a little baby, because I was only five at the time, but I also only lived two and a half blocks from the theater at the time. Yeah. yeah. And so my parents were like, yeah, it's fucking whatever. Like, go I'm watch fun. a movie. Yeah. Like, you're two and a half blocks from home, whatever. And I mean, they took me to see, when I was five, they took me to see yeah. it, but a couple years. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of my, Mr. Nanny. Yeah. That's awesome. And Rookie of the Year, both 93. I still like that movie a lot. That's just a, that's a really good film. Here's something else. I mentioned one of the actors who had two films in the top 10 during the premiere weekend mm-hmm. of Leprechaun. He's the other one because he was in Forever Young as well. That's right. Which is really cool. I actually remember him too because he was in uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead from 91. So that's where I actually remember him from starting off. And some of the, his last things that he was in, he did like an episode of Full House back in 95. He was in 20 episodes of the television series Home Court, 
from 95 through 96. I don't know if I ever even heard of that I show. don't either. I don't no that. discredit to him. I just don't recall it. And he was also in an episode of Boy Meets World back in 1998. So, Which I know I watched it. I don't remember him in it. I don't either. <laughs> like I said, no discredit to him. All right. We have Shay Duffin plays the role of Daniel O'Grady. You know what, though? When I watched it in 98, I would have recognized him then. I probably would have as well. I probably would have been really excited about it because I would have been like, oh, shit, it's the kid from fucking Rookie of the Year. Yeah, well, I remember that kid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Shay Duffin plays the role of Daniel O'Grady. A few things of note from him. He was in the film Butch and Sundance, the early days. You might have seen him in The Frisco Kid. He was a ring announcer during the Janeiro fight in 1980s Raging Bull. Highly recommend that film, dude. He was in the 1992 film Newsies, starring a young, do you know who? Christian Bale. There you go, yep. (laughs) This is wild, man. Uh, He was also in Titanic, Seabiscuit, and uh, his final role was Silding's Watch in Beowulf from 2007. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah, all right. Moving forward. I have Pamela Mant. She plays the role of Mrs. O'Grady. A few films of note. She was in The Running Man, not to be confused with Running Man. <laughs> she was also in 1993's film Freaked as a nun. <laughs> and she was in Pee-wee's Big Holiday more recently. All right, I have John Sanderford. He plays the role of J.D. Redding, who is the father of Tori Redding. He was in such films as The Alchemist. He was in Firestarter. He was also in the television series Ryan's Hope from 85 through 89. He played the role of Zach Morris's dad in two episodes of Saved by the Bell, one in 1990 oh. and one in 1992. Shit. Yep. He was also in Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. And more recently, he was in, I don't know how many episodes, but he was at least in one episode of Yellowstone in mm. 2020. I right, have John Voldstad plays the role of Joe, who is the shop owner. A little bit later on in the film. Okay. He was in the film 1941. He was also in the film's Stripes. He was in the television series Newhart because he played the role of uh, Bob Newhart's brother, Daryl, the one that never talks, apparently. (laughs) And he was also... Guess who actually watched a lot of Newhart? That's awesome, This guy. Yeah. (laughs) And he was also in um, Forrest Gump as well. Really cool. All right. We have David Permenter, who plays the role of Deputy Trippett. Some films of note, he was in Air Force One and Rock the House. And last but not least, I have William Newman plays the role of Sheriff Roy Cronin. Now, he's a cool one because when I was watching this movie, I'm like, I recognize that fucking yep. sheriff. What do I recognize him from? He's just too, like, he stands out too oh, much. Oh, without a doubt. And then I realized, oh, we've seen him all over the place in the backgrounds of movies. He's fucking tiny roles. Two films we've actually reviewed. right. Serpent in the Rainbow as a French missionary doctor. Yeah, I do remember that because he's in it briefly, briefly. And I think you even remember the scene. Uh, it's like in a bar. A, and he's the street preacher in The Craft. Right, which is like blinking your miss, essentially. A few other things of note because I do want to make mention of these. He was in 1985 Silver Bullet based off the Stephen King story. He was in The Mosquito Coast, a film I highly recommend if you're a fan of River Phoenix and or Harrison Ford. He was also in the films Monkey Shines. I was about to say Monkey Shines hey, hello. is probably where I'm most is probably where I'm remembering him I, from. I doubt that. Or Mrs. Doubtfire. Or I was about to say or Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, because it's like that's probably one a lot probably of people Mrs. are going to recognize him. Yeah, and let's see here a few things. I won't say lately, in... but his last couple of movie roles he was in for Love of the Game as Fitch. 
It was in Devil in the Flesh Part 2 and Shadow Dead Riot back in 2006. Looks like he did a bunch of television stuff. Just a few things of note that I see that kind of catch my eye. He was in an episode of Eerie, Indiana back in 92. He was also in Star Trek The Next Generation. Well, his final appearance was in an episode of My Name is Earl. Ah, That's really cool. And I fucking love that show. Larceny of a Kitty Cat, for those who are looking for it. Yeah. Yeah, Like I said, in, in his kind of waning years, he was actually in some pretty cool stuff. Angel... He was in, let's see, The King of Queens, which I actually used to watch a lot, which is really cool. The Tick. Yeah, so pretty cool character actor. All right, so that pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a setup of what the film is about. We do need to give you some warnings heading to the film. We already gave you one warning. Even though it's rated R, they drop one F-bomb. They only drop one F-bomb. Yeah, which is, you know, for us, we're probably going to drop more than that. (laughs) We've already dropped more than that. (laughs) The fuck you talking about? Yeah, so there's that. There's, we've already kind of briefly mentioned it too, some blood and gore, you know, this is a horror film. There's a little bit of supernatural elements because, you know, it's a leprechaun, so you got to play with that. I mean, I guess technically you have a little creature running around who's not meant to look like the fucking... Oh yeah, he's not your, you know, he's not your lucky lucky charms, charms, dude, yeah. He's got a kind of messed up face and messed up grill. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean... If you can handle, like, uh, the critters, you can handle him. Yeah, I mean, there's some a little bit of body stuff with a hand and leg specifically okay, that might yeah. get some people. But, but that's that's uh, kind of stretching it, to be honest. Right. It surprises me this is rated R. This is pretty clear PG-13 territory to me, and that's only because they do drop the one F-bomb. Otherwise, maybe a rough PG. Oh, man, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I think it's more deserving of the 13, but even that, yeah. So, anyway, let us find out how the leprechaun made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, we're just going to jump in where we were at because we were already starting to talk about this movie. And then I'm like, motherfucker, we're here to talk about this movie. I might as well hit record for and this. And sometimes because of the aid of marijuana. Uh, sometimes those conversations get lost down the road, so. No, so you were just telling me, who knows if we'll ever get, like, an extended cut, but the 30th anniversary of this movie is coming up. Right, because this film, I mean, technically it came out in 93, even though it was filmed during 91, 92. So we are coming up regardless for the 30th anniversary of this film's release. And And I did mention to you that I was listening to a podcast so for those who are curious, it is the podcast Classic American Movies with director Mark Jones, right? And the conversation they were having is the fact that the director at the time said that he got all the outtakes and like behind the scene footage, stuff that no one's seen, right? And he has all of his stuff on VHS while Trimark, which is now Lionsgate, has all their stuff supposedly or allegedly on 35 millimeters. So with that being said, there's a chance that there might be a future release, keep our fingers crossed for the 30th, that there might be some outtakes and some scenes and some, some stuff we've never seen before. And shot on 35, that means oh, you could do a high, high def, def. Yep. Real easy. Quotes in the real right. easy, but I mean... And, and during this time period too, now keep in mind, this is a young Jennifer Aniston film debut... So you're getting to see a lot of raw acting from her before she was Rachel and what we know her Ross as right. today. She was actually kind of bad in a couple scenes, but 
Yeah, but Not overall... Not so bad that I actually wrote it down, but right. thinking back on it, I'm like, ooh, she had a couple of really awkward line deliveries <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, but, you know, overall not too bad. But given, right, one of her early roles, period. Yeah. I mean, before this was what, Mac and Me? Yeah, yeah, Mac and Me. And I mentioned the two television series. One didn't even get picked up, so there's that. Okay, so there's a lot of deleted footage, and you're going into what some of it was, and I know some of this... And so I think we might be able to put together the story for everybody okay. with the bits that we know. So yeah, the cool. footage is mostly comedy. Exactly. Because from what I understand was this was originally supposed to be completely family-friendly movie. Or mostly geared towards early teens, late preteens. I would say the director, this is coming from him, so and you can hear it on the interview. He said that actually it was supposed to be really dark like no comedy at all. Mm. And he said the reason why it started going more comedy is because of a lot of Warwick Davis's input, right? And so he also was going back to his roots. He's like, you know, also he wanted, because of that transition, to have a little bit of like an action adventure, like a Scooby-Doo feel, you know, the settings of house, et cetera. And then he also borrowed ideas from Critters as well. So there's a little similarities between characters and setting, et cetera. So... He started using some more of those. So his early drafts, I should say, it was supposed to be really dark, and then the more and more he fleshed it out, it became more comedic. Maybe the story I heard isn't from the early drafts, but it's from that middle period where then they turned it more comedy. Because what I guess what I heard was that like the final shots and all the reshoots that they did were basically to make it darker again because the studios had decided, like, oh, no, we're going to market yeah. this as, like mid-20s adult horror comedy. There was some weird... So that's when they put in the gore the studio. And stuff. Yeah, exactly. So there were was, there was some things going on with the producers. They had their input, and yeah, so there had to be a lot of back and forth with that stuff. But some of the deleted scenes, I know like we're getting way ahead, but some of the comedy bits that were left out, because unless we get them in an upcoming version, you know, for the most part, this is just coming from the director's mouth, but he said that... There were scenes with Warwick Davis, you know, as a leprechaun in the squad car with the deputy that he killed. Okay. And like eating donuts, things like that. I think he said there was some more stuff with the tricycle and just like gags and things like that. So there was a little bit more of that at play, mm -hmm. you know, that was cut out. And we already mentioned that like all that stuff still exists and some of it's hopefully most of it, all of it's on 35 millimeter just as well as VHS. You never know. There's a director's cut as well I'd mentioned to you. So that's a possibility as well. Maybe that... So on to how it actually made a squeal, I suppose. Maybe the director's cut is more what I would be looking for because ultimately I wanted this movie to be more fun than it was. Yeah. and It you know, kind of fell more flat than I remembered it falling. And yeah, didn't, it definitely, have the, didn't have enough gore to back up the comedy falling flat. I tend to agree. It's kind of teetering on both. You know, it's trying to find that balance somewhere. See, before I found out all the stuff behind the scenes and like the way that the tone of the script fluctuated over time and stuff that they went back to add in later and stuff, I thought that they just did a really bad version of trying to make their own Freddy. Mm, I could see what you're saying there. Especially Freddy by this time period. Oh, gosh, yeah, because first one came out in 84, so mm -hmm. by this time, yeah, it's almost a decade old. 
So there was probably what at least four to five, if not, yeah, by then. Yeah. Shit. So yeah, it's deep in the franchise. So is Friday the Thirteenth. There's a couple others, but any of the the point being is, you want something fresh, you want something new, and something that is familiar. And in this case, because there hadn't been a St. Patrick's Day themed horror film, this is a good opportunity to kind of cash in on it, so to speak. You couldn't have made it at the time, but what this movie should be is Thanksgiving, oh. but St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, that you would know be awesome. what I mean. I don't know. Like the second time through, I did try to like think about it more of like in this time period, definitely some of the jokes would have landed a little bit more because some <laughs> yeah. of it just feels played out by now. Yeah. I mean, it's totally time not period. necessarily bad, but just but no. I- I've heard this shit all my life now, man. I'll tell you one thing that really, because we do all these reviews and we can't help but notice these things is. One of the first things that really, really stood out to me, and not necessarily the opening credit with the O'Grady family and their little subplot, was the introduction to some of our main characters, specifically Ozzy and Alex, their relationship. Ooh, we got to talk about Ozzy. Right? So because <laughs> I know this film was influenced somewhat because of Critters, I was like, that right there, and I even have it in my notes, it's like the setup of Charlie and Brad and Critters, their like relationship. You know, you have this kind of slow character and this witty kind of not necessarily know-it-all kid, but he kind of portrays that a little bit persona. I don't know enough about how you should handle it's weird characters like Ozzy to know if he was handled well in this movie. I feel like for the time period, he was handled extremely well. Because he could have been way more the butt of jokes than oh, he no. was. It happens. Right. But I think for this time period, it was actually the minimum amount of actually making this character the butt of jokes that I've probably maybe ever seen. That's a solid point there because it's one of those characters that is set up for that, like a punchline. He's a punchline character, <laughs> you know? But it's not really taken to that extent here. It's just a lot of allusions to this or allusions to that. And you kind of know what they're doing through the writing with his character. It's it's being set up. I kind of feel like it sucked that, like, in the final act, a lot of the time he was part of their quote-unquote problem and was simply slowing progress. Mm-hmm. Although it was also, with how he had been set up, kind of realistic for the character. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, yeah. And it was... I don't know, like definitely when I was young, it wouldn't have had this impact. And maybe if I wouldn't have been as stoned as I was, it wouldn't have had this impact. But Ozzy having that moment of realizing that like the others make fun of him behind his back was actually like, oh, that's kind of fucking heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do we have to? No, please cut away. Quit holding on this for like 10 seconds, camera. But I totally get it, you know. Because the whole point is that these characters, I think I noticed this more the second time through, was a lot of use of foreshadowing moments. Yeah. You know, this being a big one too, because the whole point of that moment was the kid, Alex, telling Ozzy because they'd found the gold at that point. He's like, now we can get you a new brain. <laughs> I'm like, damn, the, the kid doesn't realize it. it's innocence, but that's a fucked up thing to say to somebody. Yeah. Especially somebody who's you know, supposedly slow. And he's like, nah, I'm good, dude. And he's like, nah, bro, you know, people make fun of you, not to your face, behind your back. 
you're like, damn, that's fucked up. See, I think in the time period that was being played for a joke. Right. right now, yeah. especially when I'm stoned and it, like having to watch Ozzy sit there and realize that, like I'm like, dude. Yeah. That sucks. I feel for you, bro. But like, I like it because there is resolve. Yeah. You know, it'd be one thing which has left them hanging on that. You're like, oh, damn, you just stupid. <laughs> you know, that's all he ever is. But no, no, no. I think that's some things in the writing that I'll put a check mark next to because I think it's clever. <laughs> I was about to say, at the very least, even if you are someone who knows more about these things and there are problematic elements to Ozzy's portrayal that we are missing, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this movie shows that it was all good-natured. Oh, man, they really could have leaned hard if they wanted to into that character. Yeah, and I, I feel like that was backed off of. <laughs> yeah. Yes, his portrayal was good. It still gave you enough to know, but without overdoing it and overemphasizing. <laughs> the second most awkward thing that I can bring up in this, <laughs> so I can get it out of the way in the beginning. I don't want this to sound like I am commenting on his condition, because I have grown up seeing Warwick Davis my entire life, thanks to things like Willow. And I mean, his career has lasted as long as I've been alive. Wow. He's been popping up in things that I would see him in. You know what I mean? Be it to fucking Star Wars and Harry Potter. And I mean, he was voiced by fucking Alan Rickman, but Marvin the Paranoid Android in Hitchhiker's Guide was fucking wicked. It was, awesome. it was goddamn Warwick Davis. Fucking love him showing up in the third season of An Idiot Abroad. There you go, dude. So I've been looking at this man my entire life. I know what he looks like. He looked awkward in this fucking movie. I think he might have been trying to put on sort of like a creepy character, but then the way his outfit fit on him accentuated his features in a way that oftentimes just the way he was standing looked painful to me yeah, yeah, in yeah. a way that didn't help the character, but made me feel bad for him. And I don't think that was the point. There were moments where it felt more comedic than menacing, you know? There's times where I just thought, like, that doesn't look comfortable at all. You look like you must be in pain standing right there. You know, that's a good point. I don't know. There's and that, like, to the point where it took me out of a couple scenes, including, like, right in the beginning when he's sort of, like, the way he's, like, walking down the stairs. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I've seen your legs, like... I'm not commenting on your condition. I'm commenting on the fact that something doesn't look right right now. And I'm wondering, are you in pain? I know. Are, are your pants just too tight? Like, well, what is going on? <laughs> from what I understand is there was, don't want to say the word controversy, but there were some, some rumblings a little bit about the use of high heels for okay. his character. And the studio didn't want it. They didn't think it was appropriate, you know, to have a character like that in high heels. But Warwick Davis insisted on it. He's like, no, I like the way it makes my character look. And so I think it was more... Maybe I didn't notice that he was in heels, but maybe he's just not used to walking in heels. Right. That's what and, I was saying. And I think it lent a little bit more to the character more so. Whether or not he was hurting because of it, I don't know. I can't even... Like I said, I don't that was just go the way route, I saw but, it. I was like, yeah. ooh, that doesn't look comfortable no, right I, now, bro. No, 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 dude. <laughs> Those doesn't look comforting at all but and once again maybe it was just the way his clothes fit on him they seem to really accentuate the puffiness of his jacket and really accentuate the tightness of his pants and maybe it was just making for a visual component for me where i'm like 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was just like it was really highlighting the contrast. But I was like, dude, sometimes it does not look like you're comfy. And I've got some moments in this film that really cracked me up with him specifically. It happens a little bit later on. And when we get to it, I'll mention it because I, I think it's worth noting. I was going to ask you this. I didn't know how far into it I wanted to ask you this. But because we're talking about Leprechaun, I know we didn't really touch upon like our first like encounters with the film. Before this, I might have seen it. This first one, at most two times, I was trying to think about it. The latest I would have seen my last watch would have been 2002 or 2003. Okay. It might have been earlier than that. My last watch of this might have been 2000, 2001. Yeah. I can't really place the last time. I know last week I said probably within the last five years. But after rewatching it, I was like, ah, maybe more like a decade. I think I really, really stonedly watched leprechaun in the hood about a decade ago but that's my latest touch with right. leprechaun now i think sporadically this comes on some of like the movie channels if you will you know and if i'm high enough and lazy enough so i'm like i ah, fuck it i'll check it out but in whole i probably haven't seen it in a decade but that what being it, said it's a huge part of my childhood because i same. always remember seeing the fucking the vhs cover it's awesome going to rent movies right no. And then and as the series progressed, I continued to see it. Like yeah, I, like, I knew every Leprechaun movie just because I remember seeing the covers <laughs> you, you when they can't came help out. But notice it, yeah. I was gonna say ninety-three when this came out for VHS, probably I don't know, later on that year, what have you. I do remember my family renting this, and that was my first time watching this. And you know, throughout the nineties I'd seen it here and there. I didn't watch it a whole lot. And even in the two thousand didn't watch it a whole lot, but like I said, it's one of those characters you remember for you know, Warwick Davis's performance specifically. And uh, yeah, coincidentally enough, <laughs> Jennifer Aniston coming out of this franchise is kind of, I won't say remarkable, but it's still kind of interesting. You know, it's like, who would have thunk it at the time? Do you think they realized they had young Jennifer Aniston on their hands? No. No, I know this because the director almost had to go to bat for her against the studio because the studio wanted a blonde for mm. her character. And... The director, Mark Jones, said that she auditioned well. She had this charisma about her. And he said, this is how he pitched it to her. He's like, look, Jennifer, he's like, uh, you got the role, but I've got good news, bad news. And he said, the bad news is they want you to dye your hair blonde. She's like, no, I like my hair. I don't want to change it. She's like, I don't think I can do this. She's like, look, he's like, we're not going to do that. We're just going to go and film and see what happens. And so, you know, anyhow, they really didn't want her per se they were looking for a little bit more mainstream but because he wanted somebody who wasn't well known at the time yeah got and her that break. all kind of blows my mind because from her first moment on screen compared to everyone else in this movie she is practically glowing and i'm not just saying that because she has really good skin right no no she, she's which is like... also something else i noticed but <laughs> There's a lot of things you to can everyone notice. else in this movie <laughs> she also has really good skin but she yeah. is practically glowing on screen compared to everyone else. And that's coming from the guy who just pointed out 10 minutes ago that she also has some really awkward line deliveries in right. the movie. But I mean, that's just being, quote unquote, critical of the film. And, mm -hmm. you know, it is what it is. But you're right. That's something I noticed as well. I was like, wow, to know that this is her first film to come off the way she does and kind of hit her lines the way she does. And, yeah, you could tell there's charisma there already and you're right there's a glow about her uh which is neat man specifically for a horror film too and 
her character is a little bit on the nose for some stereotypes. Right. Right. You know? And that's all the jokes at her expense are the ones that I was just kind of groaning at in this movie. Cause I'm like, yeah, yo, people are still making some of these <laughs> jokes today. Like, yeah, I fucking heard this, <laughs> but it is what it is, you know? And it is, I was like, that's interesting that they would write that in there. Another thing of note that I thought was interesting was the fact that this was supposed to take place in South Dakota. Oh, yeah. I thought North Dakota. But, but in actuality, the house itself, this is California. kind of neat. Yes, in California. The name of that entire place is called Big Sky Ranch, and it was used for the film locations of Little House on the Prairie and oh. the Waltons. Oh, shit. Right? And Warwick Davis himself thought it was a little bit blasphemous that they were filming some of these murder scenes and <laughs> shit on the same lot. That's fucking funny. Okay, so <laughs> was it Tori is her name, right? Yeah, yeah. So Tori is kind of overblowing how bad the situation is when she gets to the house and all that. But some of her complaints that get snuck in there, it kind of seems like her dad didn't tell her shit about yeah, where she was going. just kind of sprung it on I'd her. I'd be pretty pissed too. Yeah, like, and what? he's acting like it's just a normal house. I mean, it's oh. not as bad as she's making it out to be. But that's a fucking fixer-upper. And if I go into a fucking house and I see a tarantula hanging out, like, bro, come on. I don't I'm want... freaking out a bit, too. I'm like, yeah, all right, because... get somebody to come clean some of this place out. I ain't dealing with spiders that size. Oh, no, man. I don't want that shit crawling on me in my sleep, let alone while I'm <laughs> I need to make sure that those are gone before I'm going in this house. I mean, she makes valid arguments, you know. Is it amplified a little bit, but still valid. You need to tell somebody if you're taking them into a fucking that a fixer upper yeah, like that. Especially if you're on a road trip. I don't know exactly where they're supposed to be coming from. California is what it I would assume mm -hmm. is what it sounds like. But yeah, anyhow. I do, I do want to back it up a little bit though to the very opening of this movie. Yeah, I, think I have we one big over question. That. Yeah. How the fuck did O'Grady catch him in the first place? Yeah, it doesn't describe how he caught him. It just says just that like, he did. I caught him. Got his gold. And yeah, he's like, he got the gold. All right, this is what I really wanted to ask you because I said I wanted to ask you a question. It wasn't like our beginnings. That was something we left off. But there was kind of a, a meme, this uh, viral video that was going around with <laughs> Mobile, Alabama. I don't know if you ever saw the video. I don't think I did. Where there was a leprechaun in the hood. Oh, shit. No, I did see that. <laughs> I did see that shit. <laughs> this film, and because of that shit, I can't help but think about this. It's like, you know, I want the gold. <laughs> <laughs> Every time, I, uh, anyhow, so that's what I wanted to ask you if you were familiar with that, because that shit started playing in my mind. Oh, my fucking God, I haven't thought about that. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, I know what I'm looking up again once we're done with this. Yeah, so I thought it was just funny. For those who don't know, yeah, check it out. It's fucking hilarious. It lends a little bit more comedy to this if you watch this film now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, but O'Grady, yeah, how does he catch how did the, fuck the did leprechaun? How did he catch in the first place? Because you can tell he's tricky, and if he has gold... He's more powerful. Yeah, it seems like he's balling out on you. So yeah, how did O'Grady do it? Now, here's something, because I wasn't paying attention a whole lot the first time through, was I was like, oh, okay, they keep... Even the opening song, of which I was going to write down, or at least try to refrain to you, everything's alluding to the four-leaf clover, four-leaf clover. Right. And it's like, okay, if you don't get it now, second time through, for sure, I'm like, okay, okay, I get it now. Did they ever play Crimson and Clover? I wish they would have. That would have been <laughs> awesome, right? I was reading that, apparently... Some of the original versions of leprechauns were more red in outfit and right. color than yeah than green. 
Well, and there's a sci-fi movie that's not related to this franchise called Leprechaun Returns. Okay. Even though it's called Leprechaun Returns. It's not a part of this not, franchise. It's not a part of this franchise. Gotcha. Its working title was Red Clover. Oh, that's pretty neat. Nice. I like that. I think, you know, if you're going to do it, it's a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. Yeah. So O'Grady, he comes home. He's balling out. He's got the limousine. Even before that, you already mentioned like Warwick Davis and the Leprechaun doing his little quote, which is not a bad way to open the film. No, no, it wasn't bad otherwise. Like I said, like I thought he looked like he was in pain walking down those stairs. But <laughs> like, oh shit. Um, do you associate Leprechauns with voice mimicking? Because that seemed no. to be his most valued talent through this entire Dude, movie. Not only that, right? He was doing like nursery rhymes in children's voices, and then he also could mimic the recently deceased. Yeah. I don't know, especially with the nursery. Like, I think you see where I'm I, yeah. I'm pulling, like, the Freddy illusion, right? No, like, no, no. There's definitely parts of that. I can totally feel that. That's not the only reference. The voice mimicking, like, I'm not pointing that out as a bad thing. It's just, like, that's not something I think about with leprechauns. leprechauns. No. Like, it makes me wonder how much maybe there was some studio stuff there. Right. You know? Um, I could see that. It's also, it was maybe some of the better, like horror lure in your victim type things in this movie even if most of the time you knew exactly what was going on <laughs> yeah it wasn't really fooling the audience any you know what i'm saying but most of the time i feel like one of them was good but i don't remember which one so this is what i gathered right was that o'grady went to ireland to bury his mother and while he was there he caught a leprechaun tricked the leprechaun into it telling him where the gold was at he gets the gold ships him back to himself and now they're rich, and then the leprechaun followed them all the way back from Ireland. There's some things like that that happen in this film that don't make sense and do kind of make sense. Maybe I'll touch upon, but that's right. one of I them. Don't, I can believe that the leprechaun can magically track his gold. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, he's tethered to it somehow. Him still being able magically. to follow that quickly across the ocean while being depowered because he doesn't have his gold... Probably not. Not with the way the rest of this movie plans out. It seems like it would take him a while to right, because, get back across the ocean. You know, the way he shows up is he's doing the Mary Had a Little Lamb in mm-hmm. a little girl's voice. And Mrs. O'Grady finds him in the suitcase. Which he pops out of and scares the shit out of her and wants his gold coin, which in turn causes her to fall down the stairs and break her neck. Which he doesn't kill her. No. She does. She kills herself because she got spooked. Yeah. So technically, it's not his fault. He just spooked her. Right. It's like, don't be clumsy, O'Grady. Know where you're at in the house. Yeah, most people don't fall backwards eight fucking foot and then into their stairwell. What I thought was cool, you could tell it was a stunt person who did it. Because as she was falling down the stairs, the first time that you see her land, they do a cut and then you see her. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know there's something that you tend to do when you see a dead body on screen is you look to see if they breathe in any I, scenes. I wasn't watching this time. Was she breathing? Yeah, you, you could see her breathe. I wasn't watching this you time. You could see her breathe one time. I think it was the mm. first time you see her after she's dead by herself without, you know, Warwick Davis doing his little, you know, mimicry behind her. You can see her taking one breath in. I was like, yep, there it is. <laughs> and then he gives the old man a heart attack. Essentially, yeah, like... O'Grady traps him with the clover, puts him in the box. I thought that was kind of funny. He goes upstairs, and it looks like he's trying to light him on fire. But you're right, he strokes out before he can do it. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to 10 years later, and 
the lead into Tori and her dad arriving to the house. And we mentioned that. She gets spooked because there's a tarantula down there. She goes upstairs because she's like, she was wanting to get a hotel, get the fuck out of there. And then she bumps into Nathan, one of the handy guys. Right. Yeah, and then we meet the rest of the characters. Who, like, no offense to the actor, but, like, not as drop-dead Hollywood gorgeous as you would expect in that role. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, I was sitting there. Not bad, I, but I was sitting there, I'm not like, top-notch. I get back into shape, and and I have a shot with this this version of Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> I know, young Jennifer I mean, Aniston. he's in a lot better shape than me, but, like, if I get in even a moderate shape, like, I can compete with this guy. Look, their characters <laughs> were flirting. That's a close enough for me. You know what I had to write down? He's bad at paint-based flirting in movies. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're teaching someone to paint in a movie and you're flirting with them, you don't show them for half a second and then let go of them and stand two feet away. Dude. You keep You keep up on that shit. You'd be like, look, you just got to stroke it like this, girl. <laughs> My mind went immediately dirty. I can't help it. Sorry. So this this is a little trigger warning. <laughs> Oh, what, that Alex Blue Ozzy? No, no, no. Oh, God damn. No, I was going to say, during that paint scene, right, where he's like, you know, you stroke it starting at the corners, it's like, what he should have told her is like, you hold it at the base, yeah. then you stroke slowly, and when you get comfortable, speed it up a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, sorry, trigger warnings, but all jokes aside, he had his moments. Uh, oh, there was a funny one. Alex Blue Ozzy. <laughs> Here's a funny one I thought was funny, was right after that moment where he goes off because she ran out of pain, he needs to get more mm -hmm. pain, she goes over to the truck, and the leprechaun comes out and starts stroking her leg. <laughs> I thought that shit was funny. All that shit afterwards was funny, too, and he's just like, wait, you thought it was me? You let me do that? You let me do that? She's like, and then she tells her dad, she's like, I know what a man's caress, uh, like when a man caresses my leg, I know what that feels like. It wasn't a cat. <laughs> It's like, wait, you do? <laughs> yeah. There was like little stuff like that that was kind of clever. And then there was big dumb moments like, who's putting their hand in a tree stump? Right. Like that. Come on now. I feel like when like all of our protagonists are together, the jokes that they make with each other and stuff, most of those land. Most of that's pretty fucking funny or it's realistic between the group and it like allows you to see how they would bond and shit. Yeah, for sure. Most of Warwick Davis's one-liners are fucking terrible. However, <laughs> yeah. there's a number of times where after his big telegraphed one-liners, he'll still make a couple quips afterwards. Those tend to actually be really funny. Yeah, he's funny. He's he's pretty good in this role. I'll give him that. Most of the big, like, where they gave him yeah, space to, like, like, throw out a one-liner, most of those are pretty groany. Yeah, they are kind of yuck-yuck. But whenever he's just sitting there just, like throwing out a couple little things in response to this and that, it's usually pretty fucking funny. Man, I hope there's one down the road right near the end of the film that you caught that if you don't catch it, no. Oh, shit, I don't, I don't know now. It's manic. I don't know now. It, had me, it almost had me do a spit take because I was eating last night while I was watching it as well. Almost did a spit take after I seen it. Anywho, I'll get to that. All right, here's what I wanted to say. When the gang goes in to uh, the basement, right? And well, the gang, I mean the oh, main yeah, characters, yeah. right? That's after Alex and Ozzy had their thing with the paint outside, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, let's see, he, he, yeah, Ozzy gets washed the... up. Yeah. So that's the first encounter. He inadvertently knocks the shamrock, the four-leaf clover off the crate, which releases the leprechaun and all that nonsense. 
we learned that his power, we already mentioned that, that his power is not strong enough, hence why the door won't stay closed, mm -hmm. which allows Ozzy to escape, and he tells the gang what happened. And they go down there, and they check around, and they find a rat, and they kind of mockingly say, oh, there's your leprechaun. And he's like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> Hold up, wait a minute. No. But even then, it's like, you can see what they're trying to do with that character and their attitude towards him. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, a, it's like... I get it, but it's also, it's still kind of interesting because you don't really see it a whole lot now. No. I don't know. I mean, probably because it's like, uh, we've seen it before. <laughs> you know, I get it, but it's not badly done in this. It's not like, could have been really, could have been fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ozzy and, what's the fuck? Alex. Alex, yeah. Ozzy and Alex. They Robo go, Cop. right. They go to have the fucking the co the one coin looked at, right? Or the coins looked at, right? Right. At the what the fucking pawn shop or whatever. Yeah, they were supposed to go to the diner after the dad got bit and all that stuff. But yeah, they go to this shop. They show the coin and the, ran yeah. by fucking Pat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Pat. It's Pat. That was fucking funny. That's all, dude. That character, right? Like, come on, it's Pat. <laughs> dude, one thing I noticed, I didn't notice it the first time, but the second time. You know, after their exchange and they're talking about its value, it could either be worth like 500, might be invaluable. You never know, right? So they leave and he starts to look over in some book and it also shows the value of the coins that he's looking at. Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't notice that while he was doing that mm. prior. Not that it's worth anything, but I still thought it was kind of clever and what it was saying and looked like just runes and all that stuff, but it had value. But all it amounted to really, which is kind of fucked up, really is that Warwick Davis, the leprechaun, takes that, right takes that tricycle, uses it to distract him. The guy's going into the safe because he's wanting to put the coin in the safe. How in the hell, without his power, did he get, the leprechaun that is, get into the safe? I, I don't know. It's because this movie's not good. Right, right, right. I mean, it's because the franchise isn't good. Yes. But <laughs> I just I like, right, uh, I, don't, I don't get that part. If I remember right, I think it's in... I can't remember if it's in number two and then number three or in number three and then number four, but I think number two establishes that he can't kill with his treasure and then number three has him kill a guy with a piece of gold. Oh, fucking hell, man. God damn it. <laughs> well, I mean, let's be... I, I, is it four? Four is the one in space, but I can't oh, remember if I that's the one where they also establish that if you get bit by a leprechaun, you turn into a leprechaun. That's Because leprechauns are like fucking werewolves, apparently. Hold on. All right. <laughs> There's a little side note here. The director stated to on that interview, go check it out, that there was ideas of a, what do they call it? A vampircon, which was a leprechaun got bit by a vampire okay. and turned... Okay, so are we, let's talk about some of the ideas that almost came to pass, right? Yeah. So there was that comic series going, which is why he's his name is Lubdan. Like, everybody okay, calls him sense. Lubdan, so I'm guessing people consider the comics to be pretty fucking canon, even though that story never finished. Which I think the film was influenced, too, by that comic, mm -hmm. which makes sense. The comic was supposed to cross over with the Warlock comic oh, series. Damn, that would have been awesome. That would have been crazy. So that means Leprechaun and Warlock would have been in the same universe. Wow, that would have Here's been dope. Here's something else. In an interview, Tony Todd said that he was approached to do a Leprechaun versus Candyman. Movie. What the fuck? That <laughs> Oh, man, that's crazy. That would have been gnarly. <laughs> How? What? Why? All right, this sounds <laughs> fucked up. That would have already been Leprechaun on the Hood. 
had they made that. <laughs> is that the thing? Is it because Leprechaun's going and fucking up the hood and Candyman's I like, guess. I gotta shut, shut this shit down. It's like, there can I can't only... have this white boy coming in and fucking with yeah, that, my shit. Yeah, that's kind of like Highlander-esque too because there can be only one. Can we get Can we get Jordan Peele's Leprechaun versus Candyman? Oh my gosh. It's there. It's just, you know, it's not us. It's it's there for the taking. <laughs> That's nuts. That's gnarly. I'd, r- I'd rather see the thanks-killing version of Leprechaun. Oh, but. man, I know, right? But still, it's it's an interesting idea. Even the idea of a fucking vampire biting a leprechaun <laughs> and turning into a fucking crossover hybrid. Okay, since we've brought them up a couple times, here's another little <laughs> interesting factoid. There's only three movies in the seven-movie franchise that are rated higher than 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. This one... And the two Leprechaun in the Hood movies. Jesus, man. That's bad. And you know what? If we ever cover this franchise again, yeah. we're skipping those others and oh, going to, totally to Leprechaun in the Hood or Any, Leprechaun back to the Hood. Anytime you invite like urban settings, it's going to get a little hairy, a little risque, but I'm down. Plus, we at least get to see the Leprechaun hitting a bong. Oh, dude. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's going to go there, and I'm down for that. Anyway, where are we at? Pat got killed. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. What's fucked up about that? Every you know, there's a lot nothing. of people that are sitting there right now being like, "Why did they keep calling this character Pat?" <laughs> it's John. He's the shop owner. It's Pat. Okay, it's relax. Pat. The point being, and the point I want to make is, it's fucked up how he once again is inadvertently involved with this whole gold coin. He's just a middle person. He didn't steal the coin. That's one of the weird things about the leprechaun, right? Like, all you have to do is spend your money fast enough. Apparently. If you spend the money before the leprechaun Just gets the to hand, you, maybe that's, then he's I don't not know. after you anymore. As long as you're willing to be like, oh, yo, no, this dude has it now. Yeah. He's like, as oh. long as you're willing to, like, sell out whoever you fucking pass the money on to, yeah. then you're safe, right? Well, I can say this. At least this film to me establishes that leprechaun is not the brightest crayon in the box he can be tricked right well the shoe thing is just funny that I is they fucking that. hilarious because that does tie into some of the mythology with the character <laughs> well with the character specifically but also kind of with how they wanted to turn him into a vampire yeah that's funny yeah but the ocd and stuff yeah the counting thing that vampires do oh i know that's why i thought it was funny it did remind me, no shit, it did remind me of the episode in X-Files where they run into this little village of vampires. And it, w- it was the kid who was in um, The Sandlot, the chubby kid with the freckles. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, he was yeah. in it. And uh, believe it or not, Luke Wilson was in that episode. Oh, okay. But it was about vampires. And there's a scene where Mulder throws like a bunch of matches on the floor. Mm. And the kid has a count. He's like, why did you go do that for? Because now he's got to count them all. Right. But yeah, the shoe thing, it's its similar because he's got to shine them. <laughs> so they, it's so funny. they couldn't decide if they wanted to make the leprechaun a fucking... They wanted anything but a leprechaun. They wanted either a vampire or a <sighs> werewolf in this series. and But they also wanted <laughs> Warwick Davis. <laughs> I know. They got something. They totally did. They got a performance. I liked it. There was some shit in it. It was kind of silly. Like, I'll go ahead and say it. The scene... It was almost right after that where she's in the Jeep going to go to talk to O'Grady, right? Uh, He's at the retirement home after his stroke, apparently. And Warwick Davis magically 
uses roller skates to sketch on the back of the Jeep into right. a fence. <laughs> and he does the Looney Tunes. Exactly. Which I get it. Knowing some of these guys' background, you can see why they would throw that in there. Look, might, might even fit in more with the full director's cut with some of the other comedy bits thrown back in. Yeah, I can see that. Oh, I know we skipped a little bit of this. What did you think about the deputy gag and stuff like that where he got, what was that, that little go-kart or whatever it was out of the shop owners? Is that where he got the car? Oh, I think so. Yeah, and then he uses it to go and the cop sees him. Of course, he's eating donuts. But the thing that got me was how he killed him. It's because he he starts chasing him through the woods after he like mashed his face. Mm-hmm. Then he drops in on him and snaps his neck all MMA style. So that's the problem. It's like that's kind of at that point. I was different. mostly like, "Isn't this like the second snap neck?" Yeah, it is. It technically. I'm like, "Come on, man!" Like that was one of those parts where I'm like, "Come on, movie, you got to give me something." Like you're not quite making up for it with the comedy right now. So give me some. Oh, it's just another snap neck. Snap. Yeah, that's all it was. But yeah, I just thought I was like, that was kind of okay. Oh, you know what's funny after that is he does go back to the home. And that's when he gets a hold of that Lucky Clover's cereal. So that's really funny because that ends up being unintentional foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Because it was supposed to be Lucky Charms. It was filmed with Lucky Charms. General Mills okayed it at first. Well, hold on. Then they saw the scene. This is the thing that the director dispelled. Okay. He said that's actually a rumor. Oh, that's only a rumor? He said that was a rumor. Oh, shit. Yeah, he said okay. he, he says he doesn't know how that started. He says because they had... Like, people who worked in the legal department, they knew that they couldn't use... Which is funny because they do some things with product placement in this. I don't know if you recognize that. With mm. the LA gear and the Reebok no. like pumps. It was mostly with the shoes. I mean, it was... You could say they were foreshadowing with the fucking Leprechaun, but I think it was more product placement. But they knew they couldn't use Lucky Charms. They already knew that. He said it was kind of a coincidence. They already had it planned out to use Lucky Clovers. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he said he don't know how that started with General Mills and all that stuff, but I can see because I initially read that, and prior to listening to that podcast, I wouldn't have known any better, to be honest. Yeah, no, because I thought that was complete, because it ends up being good foreshadowing that he thinks it's disgusting (laughs) to put the clover in his mouth when that's how he ends up. Well, that's how I took it, because when he eats it, he spits it out. I was like, oh, they're like, this shit sucks anyway. Mm -hmm. And even the kid at the end, the line he uses, fuck you, Lucky Charms. If it was never Lucky Charms in that scene, then is it also not true that that wasn't supposed to be the line? That's a good point. I don't know. Because part of that rumor is that to hit back at Lucky Charms after they pulled, that's when they changed the line that he says, fuck you, Lucky Charms, was originally supposed to be the tagline. Your luck's run out. Possibly, but I don't know. They didn't really go into that, so I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So now I'm curious if that part of it's true or not, too. That's what I'm saying. He said that he doesn't know how that stuff started, but these stories, you can see how one can lend its hand into another because mm-hmm. it does kind of make sense. And I mean, maybe it's all coincidental, maybe but even that's... without a fallout with General Mills, yeah. they just decided to change that line because it was funnier. Possibly, yeah. You know what I mean? Like maybe, like maybe they were aware enough to know that it would start rumors or start chatter per se. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I did think it was super fucking funny how weak ass they were fucking hitting warwick davis when he was attacking homeboy with the bear trap on his leg that's what i want to talk to (laughs) 
There was a scene right in between them. Yeah, what was in between them? Okay. I, didn't, I, didn't, I, I didn't write any that notes was like in between them. One of the funniest fucking moments, I think, in the film was what yeah. you're talking about. There was a scene where I thought, okay, maybe this is the homage to Critters, where Alex and Ozzy are talking about how they would kill the leprechauns. Like, yeah, of course there's a way to kill it. And the kid's like, now me, give me a 357 Magnum, present that little green Critters temple, and blam. He said, brains and guts and news and cruddy stuff dripping all down his head. That guy's gone with capital dead. <laughs> yeah, that's what he says to him. And I was like, okay, that's that's cool because he uses the green critters temple. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, there's a little homage there. But I said, this is where the leprechaun has jokes because he does. He tricks Nathan and the gang into investigating the sound of that bell because at first, you know, you think it is but then it's fucking Ozzy who found the bell. Right. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then that's Nathan, right. that's why Nathan goes outside to investigate. He trips over that fucking barrel right into the bear trap. Mm-hmm. And then he, <laughs> the leprechaun starts joking on him. <laughs> starts clowning his ass. That was pretty good. Yeah. But also, then, like, the, dude, the, you're way more fucked up than that by having a bear trap closed on your leg. Yeah, yeah. I was like, man, that would have really fucked you up. I was like, that's more like for catching small yeah. like rabbit and maybe fox and stuff Even like that's that. Not, you're not having a good time. No, no, no. It's still going to fuck you up. But the point I think what we're both going to make in that whole scene, I was like, I want Nathan to start to beat the brakes off the leprechaun. <laughs> but work, David just keeps coming back. He's like, you can't hurt me. <laughs> And he's just like frantic, man. He's like a little badger. <laughs> mm-hmm. He keeps coming after him, bites him and shit. Well, and when they all it's start trying to team man. up on him, they're all like pulling their hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell she pulls back too. Yeah. And it reminded me of, oh shit. It's um, fucking funny, man. The way they were pulling their hits reminded me <laughs> of one of my favorite fucking same sort of deal in, in the original Planet of the Apes. Where there's that scene where the apes start throwing stone in Charlton Heston. Yeah, they start yeah. throwing the fucking rocks at him and shit. There's a couple apes pretty close to the foreground that are just like, they're taking those obviously like fucking polystyrene rocks and just going, uh, eh. <laughs> eh. That's how you're going to get out of me. I'm not fucking this up. <laughs> <laughs> like, I ain't accidentally like, Giving Charlton Heston a fucking black eye with a rock. I'm not giving him a reason to pull. I concealed on me. Yeah. But it immediately reminded me of that. I was like, oh my God. And I was cracking up at it. Like, it was the best sort of unintended humor to watch them just like, yeah, I can't hurt this dude. (laughs) It's funny, man. What that leads to is that (laughs) Ozzy goes in to the house to make the phone call to the police and he's telling them, you know, bring the Marines. The army, all that shit, leprechaun struck. <laughs> you know, I think that's where Nathan he wants him to get the shotgun, mm-hmm. and then he, you know he blasts around into the leprechaun and blows him into like this little bush or whatever. And that's like that was smart, but then he does probably the dumbest fucking thing too, right? I mean, almost immediately, where he starts randomly just blasting rounds into nothing, and he's like, "I got him." It's <laughs> like, oh, what, dude? Yeah. <laughs> It's like you just literally just wasted all your rounds. What the fuck? The fact that Ozzy had swallowed that coin earlier in the movie, I thought came back around really well. Yeah, I did. That was pretty. I good. didn't. I wasn't even thinking about that. Like when the shop owner ended up with the coin, I was like, "Oh, that's a coin." Yeah, I didn't think about that. The there was still the other one. Yeah, yeah, which is good because it is one of those moments is easy to forget. So that was pretty fucking neat. Like that was a good way to work all of that shit back around. I thought. 
I even think this is kind of clever too. In the beginning where Ozzy, you know, inadvertently gets the leprechaun out of the crate, the leprechaun at some point tells him that he's going to bite his ear off. Mm-hmm. And it does come around where he does bite his ear. He doesn't bite it off, but he does fucking bite it. So due to the logic of the further in the franchise, Ozzy becomes a leprechaun, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about that, right? If you get bit by a leprechaun, mm-hmm. yeah, it makes sense, right? Okay. Because leprechauns are apparently like werewolves. That's fucking funny. <laughs> also, how nine years later are you going to try to pull fucking Chris Elliott's strong hand coming out of the phone when <laughs> Freddie already tongued me through the phone? Right, right, right. That was another one of those a nightmare on Elm Street things, right? It's like, come on, that's I ain't settling for the hand job when I know I can get that mouth from Freddy. Let me ask you this, because I was looking at references, right? You can look on the trivia and some other stuff on the database, which is really cool. But one of the things that I didn't see them mention was the Evil Dead reference in this film. Oh. There's I don't know if I might notice. I could be just me, but I think it's an homage. There's a sequence, I wanna say right as Nathan gets out of the trap. And then the Leprechaun chases him back into the house. The way it's filmed, the way they pan into oh, the house, kind of and then the hand be. gets lopped off. Right. And then becomes kind of reanimated, so to speak. Uh, I was like, man, yeah, I that see feels evil dead-ish, man. <laughs> I see where you're coming from on that. That you know? makes sense. Jennifer Aniston getting to Grady mm-hmm. after the Leprechaun fake out and shit. Which, I mean, I knew... We kind of felt it coming. Kind of felt it coming, but I thought it was still... Decently, it's well. not bad. The way they but, blended like the fake Grady hair yeah, piece into all the that looked good. Looked great. You could still believe like maybe that is still him until the reveal. But but, but Grady, when we finally see him, <laughs> what now, the fuck? First, they didn't try to make him look ten years older at all, did they? No, they just what? were like, let's throw some blood on this motherfucker. Ryan, just let him drop out of the fucking <laughs> top of the fucking elevator shaft, right? Like, what was that? And then they have and enough. Why isn't he just dead? Yeah, just have enough left in him to tell you exactly what you need to know. The expo to end this film. <laughs> if it hadn't already been established before, this is what you need. There's a clover patch next to the well. Has a four leaf clover in it. Go find it. Get this sucker. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she peels out, and uh, he gives chase. You know, finding it through the power of belief was the appropriate amount of corny for this movie. Yeah, that would felt like that family moment stuff, like almost turned to, like I felt like I was watching TGIF as a kid again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they always had to throw that little little bit in there. Dude, okay, so Melted Leprechaun is one of the coolest effects in this that entire fucking movie. That was fucking good. That was, that was good. Really good. I even, Guess what? I even Give liked... me that following everybody the entire time. That almost felt a little gremlins. A little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. What I liked about it, what I thought was funny, was when you think it was dead and in the well, it's still like, <laughs> I need me go. <laughs> yeah. And you have it like just crawl lingers. back up and homeboy just runs over and it's like, no, get the fuck back down there. Motherfucker. He starts pouring gas. I'm like, damn, he's trying to blow shit up too. He'd make a lot of people proud, but so what happens. It's like, damn, he wants him burn, burn, <laughs> which is... That's what O'Grady wanted, mm-hmm. right? So I would say there were some really neat things. Another thing I thought was neat, it was kind of, the more you see, the kind of like, okay, it's kind of dumb, but the distributor cap thing, that gag, where at the beginning, yeah. the kid's like, oh yeah, the distributor cap, he doesn't do shit. 
All he did was like jiggle a couple of the wires, right? Spark plug wires. That's all he did. And then it starts up. And then they use it later on when the leprechaun scares him. Mm. One thing I want to bring up to this is the most, to me, the most egregious moment in the film, the most I'm not buying it moment in the film is when, when the leprechaun gets them in the truck and he, you know, mashes the window out, bites Ozzy, and then he goes in the barn. And he gets into his, like, they're like, what's he doing in there? He has, like, some crafted go-kart rigged up Oh, right. where he flips the truck over. And it, I'm like, there is no fucking way. The way that thing flipped over with them inside, none of them were buckled that I saw. Mm-hmm. They would have got fucked up. There's no way that it would have flipped over in time for them to sneak out. Right. And then to come in. Yeah, I'm not buying that. Not a, not a single one had any damage. None of them were hurt. I mean, I'm not buying that. I'm still not sure I'm buying O'Grady catching the leprechaun in the first place. No, I mean, from the get go, I'm not buying it. (laughs) O'Grady didn't seem like he was that sly of a motherfucker. He did some shady shit that we don't know about. Yeah. On the slot. Yeah. Yeah, He didn't catch him. He probably looked at his butt or something. (laughs) Did some shady shit in Ireland. The fuck you, Lucky Charms is really funny, though. That is, it is pretty funny. The kid gets him. Oh, that's a scene I want to talk about. Oh, okay. Quite possibly the funniest moment to me in the film was they're looking for the clover. When I say they, it's like Jennifer Aniston, Tori, whatever. Ozzy, Nathan, they're digging through the patch. And, you know, they have the faith moment. But at the same time, the kid's going into the barn. Right. Because he's setting traps. He wants to set the trap. And... He's like, they can look for clovers. Did I'm you hear this fucking leprechaun. I wonder if it, maybe it's my version. In your version, in that scene, you can kind of see the leprechaun hanging on like one of the... Yeah. Did you hear what he was said? Did he say anything in your version? It sounded like he was mumbling something, maybe in Gaelic. Because it didn't sound it didn't sound like it was English. I heard him saying something, but I can't remember okay. what it was. I was wondering, I was like, maybe it's my my version of it. That I'd he, have to go turn it back on. Okay. Again. It wasn't anything. I don't know I what he said. Write down. But he he in my version that I heard, he said something. It wasn't in English, but he mumbled something. Okay. Anyhow, the point I want to make in that is eventually the leprechaun comes out and attacks the kid. That's like the second time the kid gets drugged by the fucking leprechaun, <laughs> right? You know, and he's dragging him towards that trap, and they go in. I think they blast him again. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, is once the leprechaun gets up, and yeah, that's when Ozzy tells you know, the leprechaun that he's he's got the gold coin, and he's like, I want your belly. Right. What's in your belly? But when he runs out, he trips up Nathan. And he's like, how's your leg? <laughs> I was like, that is fucking hilarious, man. That is, if you don't catch it, it's so quick. I was like, that might be the funniest fucking thing in this film. Okay, the thing I laughed hardest at is oh, actually shit. similar, but not quite the so same. Goofy. Like, there's no little, like, how's your leg little moment. <laughs> but I love when he's chasing Tori, and her legs are so much longer than his, and she's oh. so far ahead of him she that she trips <laughs> and gets yeah. up. And still has time. And still has time. They even make mention of that in, like, some of the trivia that even in the retirement home when he's in the wheelchair... She had to slow down her running because it was mm. hard for him to move, navigate. It's like, that's kind of funny. But yeah, like she would smoke him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, let's be honest here. And that's where I'm like, how is the leprechaun getting across the ocean that quick? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There, I mean, that's there's definitely I'm some plot holes. coming up on holes. that shit, you know what I mean? Right, definitely some plot holes. But it's kind of a fun film 
kind of one of those. It's almost if you like a party film. Seen it? It's worth seeing it at the one time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. The rewatch value is not so much no. there. And that's the thing. I did get more out of it upon rewatch, but it, I didn't get so much out of it upon rewatch that I would recommend people go rewatch it. Yeah, exactly. But the one thing I want to do, I don't know how much more I have to say, but one thing I do want to add before I close it out is the wraparound with Ozzy's character, right? You know, where he says right there at the end, he's like, I did the smart thing, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that was smart. <laughs> and then he gets the kid with the, he's like, hey, Alex, what's that? Gotcha, right? He's like, hey, I've never, I've never done that before. Finally gotcha. So it was stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it was a kind of a feel-good moment. Even leaves off with, you know, the intention of a sequel in mind because... Last thing I've got written Just down. Just not the sequel they got. Exactly. But the leprechaun says, he says, I'll not rest till I have me gold. Curse this well that me soul shall dwell till I find the magic that breaks me spell. So that kind of concludes like, okay, he's setting that up once and then, again. And then he breaks into, oh, my dear, my darling one. My, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my smiling and beguiling one. <laughs> so like I said, I, I like the use of a little bit, a little bit of the mythology very sparingly. Mix it in with some like some franchises that we've mentioned. There's even references to Jaws. Mm. You know, certain franchises are intermixed in this. Being that it's the filmmaker, Mark Jones's first film as well. He says, until you do a film, you really don't know how to do a film. You know, so he said a lot of this was kind of learning on the fly. Had some good people at hand, like the DP, mm-hmm. Levi Isaacs, and the guys who composed the music. So he had some good people at hand. And they use some pretty cool sets, too. I already mentioned where they filmed. So having some familiar faces, one that rose to stardom out of this was kind of mind-boggling when you think about it. Yeah, it's, it's still neat. It's still relevant to some extent, too. Yeah, know? it's still fine. Right. It's not, it's it's not, not one that I visit hey, a lot, to be quite man. frank, because it is kind of hokey at this point. And I feel like all the other movies we've mentioned that it has similarities to, I'd probably recommend above it. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would imagine they probably Even ramp like up. Yeah, I was like, I would imagine in this franchise, because I haven't seen a lot of the sequels in a long time, that I'm, they probably get a little bit more gory and probably lend into a little bit more of the hokiness. I feel like going hokier would I'm help okay with this. that. Yeah, I was like, I'm fine with that. Um, you got to go somewhere. I am kind of curious about Leprechaun in Space, to be honest, but <laughs> just because that is ridiculous of a concept. But I, I know, right? Yeah, I was going to say, music, well, now that I think about it, it didn't like necessarily stand out, but it wasn't bad either. Just that fucking song, that Four Leaf Clover song. Right. They intermix. I'm like, wow. They use it in the diner. They use it at the opening with Tori and, the, and her dad. I was like, man, if that's not on the nose, and it's just kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. Crimson and Clover. Should have been Crimson and Clover. Would have been a lot better. Over and over. Yeah, I'm down. But but once again, it's it's one of those films that came out. I mean, it did decent at the box office. We already mentioned that. But because of VHS and rentals and shit like that, that's where it really found its home. Mm-hmm. And because of that, its success through that, it spawned sequels. And like I said, if it wasn't for that, this would have probably been it. You know, but yeah, it's interesting to note that this was Trimark's first film. I didn't know if you read that or not. Oh, shit, no. Yeah, so... That's cool. Really interesting there. Yeah, it's just... Um, it'd be interesting to see if we ever get that, what we mentioned earlier on, 
if we'll ever get some of the behind the scenes stuff and outtakes and whatever, maybe some commentaries, who knows? It'd be oh, kind of yeah. cool. I'd like to see that if it happens. I agree. Ooh, next week. Dude, I'm excited. We're starting to tread into excited. some interesting territory now. I know you're excited because this film looks bonkers. And, you know, we're fans of bonkers on the show. Uh, so next week we will be doing, I, I don't remember the year. I want to say 78. Uh, I almost want to say 80. 80. I want to say it's 80. 80? I'm almost certain. 80 exactly? I think. Okay. I'm almost anyway, certain. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We're doing the original Indonesian horror film, The Queen of Black Magic. Wow. There is a recent remake. Well, so, just, whoa, hold tight. Yeah. But we are doing the original one. And that is, ooh, buddy, if you've never seen anything about the Queen of Black Magic, I think we are in for a treat because I've only seen a couple of clips. We watched that trailer last week. Wow. After we got done recording and <laughs> it looks insane, bonkers, crazy times. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping so it and I'm hoping it actually delivers on that. Well, here's some good news for those who do like to stream, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to get a jump in on this episode, it is streaming on Shutter, so go check it out in advance. Nope, that's right. I'm probably that's what I'm going to watch it on. Likewise. Anyway, that's next time. This was our St. Patrick's Day episode, yeah. so like I know a lot of people get in the mood to drink. We enjoy our green the other way, though. I think we're going to go get more stoned. But I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried squirms. Out. out. Hi everybody, Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.